Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics and ending the stigma through educational discussions. On today's episode, we have Ben Holt, an internationally acclaimed breathwork facilitator, a transformational retreat leader, a psychedelic therapist, filmmaker, and musician. For the past several years, Ben has been traveling the world, teaching the art of conscious living, leading transformational retreats, and documenting some of the world's most fascinating cultures. Ben is the founder of Connect and Evolve, a platform designed to facilitate awareness, inspire creative expression, and expand the human horizon. Ben now leads others in spiritual retreats, one-on-one intensives, workshops, online courses, and more. His methods and teachings have been proven to be life-changing for thousands. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, absolutely. We always like to start off hearing how our guests came to plant medicine and alternative healing and just wondered if you might share your story. Yeah, so I I grew up in a small town in Louisiana, um, right there in the middle of Louisiana, where we got a population of about 30,000. And uh, the vibration in that particular state, in that particular part of the state, is, is quite, quite dim. It's quite low. And so it's very, um, very rare that someone gets the opportunity to kind of break out of that, the bubble of uh, that place. And so I was very blessed, very lucky to come across opportunities in my life uh, that led me to different alternative modalities of healing, plant medicine experiences, and now the journey that I'm on today. And I'd say that my the beginning of my journey with plant medicine really began uh, about four years ago, whenever I went and drank ayahuasca in Costa Rica. Uh, I had the experience and it was absolutely amazing for me. It was really beautiful. Ayahuasca, that mother uh, spirit was very inviting, very, um, very gentle with me. And I just absolutely loved my experience. And from there, I was kind of sold on the, um, on the entire experience of plant medicine, and I just desired to learn more. Um, And so that led me to going to Peru, working with Coranderos in Peru, uh, working with Wachuma, San Pedro Cactus, with Bufal, various uh, peyote, just a lot of different plant medicines and entheogenic medicines. Um, And my intention, you know, at the beginning was just to expand my mind and to experience life in a, a more pronounced way to just fully experience all of the juice of life, all that there is to experience in life and to go, you know, within myself, because I had gotten this, this awesome job with this startup that I helped build and made all this money. And I quickly realized that that wasn't the key to happiness. And so uh, from there, my journey uh, was redirected within and, you know, going through all these different ceremonies and these different practices course, with breathwork, meditation, yoga as well, I really started to build a foundation on uh, which I could then not only be a participant in these experiences, but after doing the proper training, be able to share these experiences with others. And uh, that has led me to where I am today. And it's been a huge, huge blessing. And I'm just extraordinarily grateful for this journey. So wonderful. And I really wanted to dive into a little bit more about the breath work that you do and wondered if you could tell us a bit about 
what dynamic breath work is and how it can help with COVID. Yes. So dynamic breath work is a, a variation of breath work from Wim Hof. So if anybody that isn't, isn't familiar with Wim Hof, Wim Hof is this crazy Danish guy that lives out in Poland and he brings people out to his ranch. And um, within a five day period, he has these people going from, you know, just chilling, relaxing on their couch in the nice warm, uh, you know, central heating system of their home to climbing Mount Szneska, which is the, fa- uh, the, the largest mountain in Poland, the highest mountain in Poland. With, in a blizzard with nothing but their shoes and their shorts. So it's a really fascinating practice that this gentleman has uh, packaged and given to the masses because what it derives from is Tumo breathing. Um, and this breathing was used by ancient Tibetan monks. Uh, and they would go out and sit in a big pile of snow, these monks with wet blankets over them. And within 30 minutes, the snow around them would be melted and these blankets would be steaming because they were able to generate so much heat within their body. Uh, And they had so much mastery over their their physiology. And so what Wim Hof has done, he's kind of taken this style of tumor breathing and he's, you know, cut a little bit of the fat because, you know, obviously um, your typical everyday Westerner is not going to be as disciplined and devoted as a Tibetan monk. Um, and he kind of cut the fat and then he packaged it into this package and gave it to the world after everybody was like, how the heck are you able to climb Mount Everest and with no shoes on? And how are you able to run across the Mojave desert with no water? He finally came out and said, I take cold showers and ice baths and I do this breathing. And so a lot of breathwork practitioners have taken his style of breathing and created their own form, their own variation of it. Uh, in order to create specific physiological responses in the body. And so what dynamic breathwork is, is a similar style as Wim Hof breathwork, but there's a few different variations and there's a few different focuses that come with this breathwork that is not offered in the Wim Hof style breathwork. Um, But what this breathwork does is it creates this beautiful uh, stress response within the body. And just like we're going to run uh, or exercise or lift weights, what we're doing anytime we intentionally exercise is we're creating a stress response in the body. And then the body says, okay, well, I need to be able to adapt to this stress. And then it grows, it strengthens, it becomes more resilient. Um, That's why whenever you do a bunch of bicep curls, you get bigger biceps to adapt to that environment, for example. And so um, the way that this happens is what we're doing is we're creating controlled hyperventilation. And so it looks like this. And you do that about 40 times. And whenever we control hyperventilate, um, what we do is we expel a lot of CO2, carbon dioxide. And whenever we do this, um, we have less carbon dioxide in the bloodstream, in the body, and that converts to carbonate. Well, carbonate is what allows for our, uh, is what regulates our inflammatory response. So if you deal with chronic inflammation from autoimmune disease, allergies, asthma, arthritis, um, this is incredibly good for you because less carbonate, less inflammation. And so if you deal with inflammation, it's amazing. And now getting to our stress response after 40 breaths, and we've reduced our, uh, our inflammation, our 40th breath, we do an exhale and we hold the breath. Whenever we do that, we're creating a stress response in the body because at about 45 seconds, 
you're going to feel like you're either going to pee on yourself or you might die. And you really, really want to take a breath. <laughs> and so when this happens, the endocrine system dumps noradrenaline and adrenaline into the bloodstream. And so I created this analogy that, okay, our body is a temple and we have ninjas guarding this temple. But if our body is lethargic, as our ninjas. So our ninjas are going to be responding just as our body is performing. And so these ninjas are the T cells, white blood cells, etc., those cells that help combat disease. And so when we do this breath work and we hold the breath, we create the stress response, our endocrine system puts adrenaline, noradrenaline into the bloodstream, it wakes up our entire system. It wakes up the ninjas that are guarding the temple. So if you have an alert system that is adapted to an intense environment, what's going to happen whenever a virus comes into the system? Your ninjas are going to be sitting there ready, uh, ready and waiting with their swords uh, and all their other ninjas. <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> They're ready to go. They're ready to ninja star the virus. Um, so that's just step two. After that, we hold the breath for about a minute to a minute and a half. Some people are savages and they go for three plus minutes. Um, and then we, we take a big breath in through the nose. <laughs> just like this. And we expand the lungs as much as we can. Then we take another breath in. We're like sipping air, filling up the lungs as much as we possibly can. And there's a good reason for this. In James Nestor's new book called Breath, um, they did a big case study. I believe it was with Cambridge with about 500 different participants. And they ran all these different studies discovering what was the largest uh, provider of longevity, what was the most conducive modality to having a long and uh, sustainable life and, and uh, a healthy life. And they realized that it wasn't diet, it wasn't nutrition, it wasn't exercise, that it was lung capacity. So the number one contributor to longevity was their lung capacity. So how much capacity we have per capita, of course, in, in our lung space, how much capacity do we have? So what we're doing whenever we take this big breath in and we sip in all that air is we're stretching our lungs and we're stretching our diaphragm. And a lot of the times in the West, we'll breathe through the mouth, shallow breaths through our chest. And this is due to a stress response. So we don't want to be breathing like that. <laughs> we don't want to be stressed because that's whenever we're uh, just a magnet for disease, right? And I can go into that more in a moment. But whenever we... We take this breath in, we stretch the diaphragm. The diaphragm is a mind in and of itself. In Eastern medicine, it is seen as something equivalent to the brain. We don't use it in the West. Very rarely do you see people breathing into their belly. And when I teach people these techniques, people are always going, breathing up into their chest instead of deep into their groin and into their belly. So when we activate the diaphragm, what we're activating is our parasympathetic nervous system as well. So our parasympathetic nervous system is the, side, the part of our nervous system that allows for us to be in a state of rest and digest. This allows for all the blood in our body to come out of the arms and legs and back into the GI tract, back into the immune system, right? And so whenever we're in a state of fear or stress or anxiety, our blood is rushing from our immune system into our arms and legs so that we can either fight or we can flee. This is the chronic state of Americans, okay? This is the chronic state of modern Western life. This is a state of stress, anxiety, and fear, and it's killing us. And so how can we transmute that back into 
a restful, peaceful state of being to where we're more productive, we're more energized, and we're more efficient at our jobs and our purpose. We activate the diaphragm. It's as simple as that. It's learning how to breathe into the belly. So the third step, expanding the lungs, activating the diaphragm. And then the fourth step is, oh, letting that breath go with an arm. And this is harmonizing the left and right hemisphere of the brain. It's harmonizing the entire system. And it's allowing you to drop. It's extending the breath. It's allowing you to drop into a state of meditation. And so the dynamic breath work, it, it counters all the angles. It covers every single base that could possibly be there in a matter of about 10 to 15 minutes. And uh, that's why I suggest it to everyone becoming their morning practice, you know, really using this practice first thing in the morning to just optimize the rest of your day. Yeah. <laughs> Get those ninjas in tip top shape, right? right? I love that exactly. analogy. It's exactly. great. You got to have your ninjas ready. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us, um, so what do your retreats entail and, and who typically attends? So are you doing breath work and using plant medicine and integrating all of that? How does it work? Yeah. So with our retreats, uh, they're specifically designed and set up to create a container uh, and a flow that allows for the participant to go for a through a full transformational experience. And so if you're asking, well, what's a transformational experience? Well, I'll tell you. So right. <laughs> during this experience, um, what we're moving through is we're reconditioning and releasing any type of trauma, memory, behavior, thought processy, experience that may have happened to us in our past that is still contributing to the way that we see our environment. So to break this down even further, say, let's use the classic analogy of the little boy, a little girl touching the hot pan on the stove. Well, whenever you touch that hot pan on the stove, it's going to burn your finger. And then forevermore, you remember that, man, I probably shouldn't touch hot pans on the stove. But what you don't realize is that you have trauma in your finger, in your body that is stored as memory physiologically. And to take this to another step, say you have a really detrimental experience with a lover in a relationship. And after that, you feel like you can't trust individuals and in relationships. You feel uh, whenever you see someone and they're interested in you, you automatically cast judgment based on your previous relationship onto them. So obviously this doesn't serve us in life. We want to be as open and receptive and as loving, but also protected as possible. So what this process entails is if we've had a detrimental experience in our past, all of our behaviors and our emotions and our thoughts run through this information. It goes through this filter where this is stored, this trauma. And so the first thing that we want to do is release this trauma. We want to completely let go of it, not just figuratively, but realistically. In real life, physiologically, this trauma is stored in the fascia, the nervous system, the subconscious mind, etc. And so we want to release this. And so we use multiple tools in the releasing process, whether that's breath work, plant medicine, neurolinguistic programming, qigong, uh, uh, hypnosis. We have a whole, uh, a whole host of tools that we can use. None is better than the other. 
it just depends on the individual, what the individual is most receptive toward and how it affects them. Um, and so the, the list of tools is large so that we can effectively uh, treat and help the different participants and where they are in their journey. So the first step is release, right? We want to let go of what no longer serves us. Literally, we want to do it in a really experiential way. The next step is activate. So activation. Once we release, once we clean the filter of all traumas, of all detrimental memory, we make our amends with our past and we fully become an autonomous human being, a sovereign human being who is not a victim of their conditioning and of their experiences from the past, but who is autonomous, who is able to make conscious decisions, who is able to intentionally live and who is not being, like I said, held a victim of their experiences and their conditioning. So this is a, a, a very, very powerful part of someone's transformation. Um, and this is something that only a, a handful of people really have experienced and understand, and that more and more people are beginning to experience and understand. And so this activation process comes, comes in whenever we realize, oh, this is me without the bullshit, <laughs> without the baggage. This is the real me. And so how do I continue to nurture this? How do I stoke the flame of me? Well, you do that through connection. Connection to not only the group that you're experiencing all this, this transformation with, but connection to yourself, connection to nature, connection to music, connection to your nutrition, connection to the modalities that we'll be using throughout the retreats that you're able to not only just use and experience at the retreats, but carry with you for the rest of your life. And so the activation process is really instrumental, but before the activation process, you have to have that releasing process. You have to have that reconditioning process. Then the activation process comes in. And from the activation process, once we're feeling activated, once we're feeling uh, charged and primed for life and for expressing our greatness confidently uh, to the world, then comes the integration process. And the integration process is simply anchoring in the frequency in which we're able to create at the retreat so that not only are you just having this experience at the retreat, but that you're able to actually carry the energy, carry the practices, carry the vibration that you receive at the retreat and that you discover within yourself at the retreat, uh, you can carry that with you for the rest of your life. So the retreats are really based on uh, practical and efficient uh, practices, practical and efficient flow of release, activate, and then integrate. And then we use many tools, plant medicine, breath work, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, like I said earlier, yoga, meditation, sound healing, in order to create this flow. And so that it's not just coming and retreating and uh, going on vacation, but it's an actual transformational process that's going to bring you into your highest excitement, your highest self, uh, your best performance in life, your, uh, your greatest expression, to sum it all up. And how often are you doing the retreats? So we are hosting retreats about once every, uh, every other month. Um, and I, I host retreats both with my program and my team under Connect and Evolve. Uh, but I also 
uh, work with a, a, a brand called Dazen Collective, which is my partner's uh, project, as well as Kaivalya Collective, which is a good friend of mine's project. And they're all a little different, but the, the primary uh, container that I am creating, refining, sharpening the edges of, and providing others is through Connect and Evolve. Wonderful. And I saw on mm -hmm. your social media account about a sound bath ceremony that you had done in Sedona, and it was just so incredible. And so for those that may not be familiar, I was wondering if you can let our listeners know, you know, what a sound bath is and how it can be used to heal through listening. Absolutely. Yeah. And sound, sound healing is one of the primary modalities that we offer at the retreats. And this is mainly to help people relax and refresh on a deep cellular level. And so sound healing is really fascinating because, um, you know, whenever you're in a sound bath, you can just be lying there relaxing and you don't even realize that anything's happening besides these interesting sounds, sometimes beautiful, sometimes slightly eerie. Um, but these sounds are happening. And uh, what's really going on is what we're creating through a sound healing experience is we're intentionally taking tonalities and frequencies and we're merging them together to create harmony uh, in many different ways. And our body is 70% roughly, give or take a few percentile, uh, made of water. And there was this, uh, uh, this great doctor, uh, he was kind of like this physicist, but uh, Dr. Hamoto. And he, he did this study on water and through the vibration of different types of music and different words that he would speak to the water. Under a microscope, he would notice that its, uh, its, its shape and its, its uh, dexterity and its, um, its basically its, its makeup would change based on the music and the frequency uh, that he would play and the intention and energy that he would put toward it. And he, would no he noticed that whenever he played Bach and Beethoven and sound healing frequencies that the water would take on this beautiful crystalline shape and he noticed that when he played death metal and uh, told it negative things, that it would take on this really nasty, just uh, not beautiful shape. It would take on this, uh, this, it would take on the vibration of what it was receiving. And so whenever we do sound healing, this is exactly what's happening in our cellular bodies. Uh, all that water that uh, we consist of is taking on this shape of, of harmony. It's taking on this shape of, uh, of frequency. And this, you know, as, as above, so below, the microcosm of our cells really being replenished by these frequencies and harmonies, uh, this is going to express in the macrocosm through our emotions, through our behaviors, through our feeling of restfulness, through our feeling of peace. And so what's happening is we're taking typically frequencies of 432 hertz, which just means 432 pulsations per second, uh, combined with theta frequencies around seven to 12 pulsations per second, uh, as well as tonalities. So different tonalities uh, based on which chakra and which intention, which chakra we are wanting to stimulate and heal and which intention we are wanting to invoke. So it goes deep. As you can see, there's a, a deep rabbit hole with this. But oftentimes what I use are... Uh, specific uh, crystal bowls and Tibetan bowls uh, from the key of C to B um, all the way up the ladder, C, D, E, F, G, A, B. 
and each different key correlates with a different chakra. And so utilizing the 432 hertz, uh, utilizing the theta frequencies, which kind of sound like wah, 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 uh, which brings you into a theta brainwave state, activates rest and digest, parasympathetic nervous system that we spoke of earlier, allows somebody to become very receptive. Um, that's whenever you come in with that, that bowl that plays in this key of the chakra. And so it's directly intentionally designed to heal and to stimulate that chakra, which each chakra is directly correlated with the gland in the endocrine system. And the glands in our endocrine system uh, make up about, you know, a whole lot, uh, roughly 90% of the functioning in the body. So um, there is a very powerful physiological and clinical um, benefit from sound healing. And this is, uh, it, it's, uh, I get the nerd out on this all the time because I grew up a musician. No, I love it. <laughs> I definitely love it. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it, you know, I'm a music lover myself. And so, and I feel so impacted by sounds and tones and, and to just, you know, hear everything that you're saying about the breath work and then combining it, you know, with these special tonal qualities. I mean, I, I definitely find that there, there's a lot, so much truth in that. And I'm just so glad that we we're able to have you really dive into this a little deeper with us. And I'm curious with, you know, what you've learned about yourself um, and others while you've been embarking on this incredible work. I mean, this is really deep stuff and you're working with so many different people and taking them on these like incredible journeys. You know, what have you learned through all of this? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's been, you know, a very profound journey. It's been several, several years in the making of, of what we're providing now. But, you know, for myself, what I have the, the, the key and the core concept that I've adopted here is the concept of surrender. Uh, and not just a concept conceptually, but experientially. Surrendering to uh, the flow of purpose and surrendering to a higher power to work through my vessel, my body, if you will. And, um, you know, a lot of this, <laughs> the word surrender probably raises a red flag for many people. And whenever I say surrender, I don't mean surrendering and giving up, but I mean surrendering to the spirit, surrendering to divinity, because we're human beings. And part of coming in here, coming into these bodies and manifesting in these bodies is we have to deal with human nature, which, uh, you know, entails the ego and duality and polarity and going through the whole spectrum of emotions and all the densities in the third dimension, you know. And while it's beautiful, at the same time, I'm sitting here in Sedona looking at a beautiful mountaintop. Um, it's also can be very hard. And so uh, the number one thing that I've learned is to surrender to the flow of spirit, because spirit is the stage, the playwright, the script writer, the director, the producer. It is the entire act. And we're just actors on this little stage. Um, and so the main thing that I've learned is to surrender to to the flow of the universe and to spirit and to God, whatever you choose to call it, but to do that with effort and with will and action and intention. Um, and the best analogy that I have created for this is the, the river of purpose. You know, whenever we're all floating down a river and oftentimes we can be resisting and swimming against that river based on the conditioning that we've received from our environment telling us, you know, go to school, get a job, take the safe way because this is a, a collective conscious uh, conditioning. Um, 
when in reality, that might not be what best serves us in our destiny and our purpose. And so what we're doing is swimming against this river, trying to make enough money, trying to do what's right, trying to lead a, a, a fulfilling life. And uh, we've never gone through the process of releasing, activating, and integrating, so we're not sure what that really means. And so instead of swimming against the river or even holding on to a rock while the river uh, you know, beats us like, uh, like a flag in the wind, because we're trying to hold on to an experience and hold on to a relationship and hold on to a moment. Instead of doing this, what we can do is just surrender to the flow of the river and appreciate every single twist and turn and rapid and stillness that the river has to offer and practice this appreciation. Uh, you know, and this doesn't mean that we have to just be subject to the river's uh, will and we're just getting, you know, tossed around by this river, but with purpose and with intention, and uh, with, with, with effort, we can take a paddle and steer uh, ourselves from one side of the river to the other so that we can guide ourselves toward, uh, you know, gentle waters, so that we can guide ourselves toward rocky waters when we feel that that's what we need. Um, and so this is the, the greatest lesson that I've learned and, and probably the greatest lesson that I try to instill in others as a teacher is that, you know, the universe is unfolding and we are a part of the universe unfolding. So to think that we can simply, uh, you know, imply our, apply our, our will and our effort and our action uh, onto the universe and just create, you know, based on what we want is, is kind of a silly notion. Uh, you know, this thing's been uh, playing out for 13.4 billion years and to think that we're just going to show up and change it without cooperating and co-creating with it is just hilarious. And so um, this is something that I've learned that's been instrumental, very powerful in my journey, my purpose. And uh, yeah, I would say that that's number one when it comes to, to learnings for myself. So how can others learn more about you, your work, and possibly sign up for a retreat or a workshop? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have a, a, a really powerful retreat coming up, um, April 21st to the 25th, called the Great Awakening Retreat. Um, and this retreat is designed to, you know, as it says, the Great Awakening. You know, it's, it's designed to, to share with every participant that there is an awakening happening within every single one of us. And this awakening is represented in the macrocosmic collective consciousness, Right. There is something happening. There's a shift happening. That's why this conversation is happening and being accepted by the general public. Um, and so what does that great awakening look like? Well, you know, as it's happening in a collective consciousness, it's also happening within every, one, every single one of us. And so it's an awakening of an awareness within. And so through going through the process, process of releasing, activating, integrating, we discover that awakening within and can completely transform our lives. And so... We have that retreat coming up. I'm very excited about that one. It's a deep dive retreat. And we also have one that's more introductory happening April 7th through the 11th, which is the Fear to Freedom. This is going to be a nice um, introductory retreat with breathwork, meditation, sound healing, really dipping our toes in the waters of the infinite. Um, and so that's our two upcoming retreats, um, April 7th through the 11th and April 21st through the 25th. Um, and if people want to know more about that, they can just go to connectandevolve.com. Connectandevolve.com, all one word, all spelled out. 
they can also follow me at, at connect and evolve on Instagram. Um, but connect and That's where I have all the resources, the retreat information, um, you know, guided meditations, etc. They're all there. And if somebody is really looking, resonating with this conversation and really looking to have an experience that we're discussing right now, the best way to do that is definitely, definitely, definitely by coming to a retreat and doing a deep dive immersive experience. We have everything taken care of from the food, high vibrational plant-based meals, uh, to the experiences, to the location, the room and board. All they have to do is travel there. As soon as they land, they are going to be taken on this beautiful journey of self-discovery. And this is all Sedona, right? Both of the April That's events, right. the retreats you're speaking of, right? Oh, okay, absolutely gorgeous right. place. All this amazing food. You're making me want to go. I mean, I want to come on one of these. So just for sure, I we <laughs> appreciate you so much, Ben, for your time. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're doing amazing work and we really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Gina. I appreciate you, Elizabeth. Thank you guys so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to meeting you in person in the future, hopefully in Sedona. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So much. We are grateful for all of our listeners for joining us on another episode of the Vine, a plant media project podcast featuring Ben Holt, founder of Connect and Evolve. Please join us by subscribing to the Vine, a plant media project podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. For cannabis and psychedelic news, visit us online at plantmediaproject.com.